this week on Crossing the Lane Lines. On the bus, when we chartered the bus, he said, you know what? We could do our own swimming. And we were so tired, and I all threw pillows at him saying, you must be out of your mind. Yeah. <laughs> but one of our late founders, one of our late co-founders, Tanya Boon-Moon, said to me, Lisa, we could do this. We've done it, you know, by hosting meets and stuff. We could really do this. And the next thing you know, we were sitting at um, Kenny and Lisa Cross's house planning out this meet. Many black swimmers have had to deal with being the only one at their meets that look like them. They've experienced isolation, ridicule, and racism. A foreigner in a foreign land. But on Memorial Day weekend, they get the opportunity to experience swimming from a black perspective at the National Black Heritage Championship Swim Meet. Today, we'll speak to one of the lead organizers, Lisa Webb, about the triumphs, challenges, and the Afrocentric beauty of this extraordinary swimming event. Stay tuned. In San Francisco, this is Najee Ali, and you're listening to Crossing the Lane Lines. It's every black swimmer's nightmare at one time or another. They drive up to an auditorium, get their bag, head to the entrance, and there it is. They're the only one, or one of the only black swimmers at an event. The other swimmers are white. The coaches are white. The officials, parents, vendors are white. They often deal with stares, side eyes, or people avoiding them as if they're about to cause trouble. And all of this isn't limited to swimmers. Black coaches have to deal with officials asking to see their credentials over and over. Black parents are asked, Are you sure you're at the right place? The basketball courts are just over there. Yes, most meets can be a very stressful place for black swimmers, coaches, and parents. But not if they happen to venture to carry North Carolina over to Memorial Day weekend and attend the National Black Heritage Championship Swim Meet. At this event, they're just another swimmer, coach, or parent in the crowd. Founded in 2003 by a group of parents of North Carolina swimmers, their mission is to promote swimming and prevent drowning. But they also sought to provide an opportunity for more kids of color to have a chance to swim against competitors that look like them. To talk more about the formation and mission of this amazing swimming event is one of its co-founders, Lisa Webb. She is the co-founder and vice president of the North Carolina Aquablazers Swim Team, an AAU traveling team that was started in 2000. Lisa Webb, welcome to Crossing the Lane Lines. Oh, thank you so much for having me, especially this weekend. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Okay, so I gave a little bit of background on the formation of the meet, but I'm wondering if you could go into more depth. What prompted yourself and the other parents to create this amazing event? Well, you know, when we started our children, like you said in the intro, that um, we were on different swim teams, but we were the only one out of 400 kids, you know, and and we would go to swim meets in the local area, but we would only see those same families on the other teams, and um, we knew there were other children out there, you know, who swam, and 
and we fell upon one of our, we feel that we stand on their shoulders, is the uh, the Black History Swim Meet. We were told about it, and we decided to go um, as our as USA swim team, because we were on different USA swim teams. We went individually, but we went as a group. And um, we got there, and we could not do relays as a team. You know, we had to do them as a USA uh, membership. So from that meet, because we were so excited, I mean, the kids were just so thrilled to see, you know, other kids. And then they found out, Najee, that they weren't as fast as they thought they were, you know. <laughs> that kids in other states were, were swimming just as fast, you know. And, and so when we get back, we decided at that moment, you know what, let's start our own AAU team because you couldn't be on two USA swim teams. You only could be on one. So we started the AAU swim team, which I don't know if you know, but AAU was the only swimming organization years ago. And then USA Swimming started from that organization. Um, but AAU has been around for years, you know, and so we decided to, to form that, and we became a traveling team. So we, we started seeking out other um, swim meets that had children of color, you know, and um, national, the, the um, Black History Swim Meet, the Chris Silver Swim Meet, which was held in Atlanta, um, and it was an, a long course meet. Uh, we had a great time down there, and, and uh, we went to the AU Nationals, you know, and, and that was neat because you had swimmers from all over the United States, but also from different countries. So we really felt that we were doing something great. And so a lot of kids started joining our team just so they could travel outside of North Carolina, but to also see kids who look like them swimming. And, and it really um, inspired and motivated them to even work harder, you know. So that was the thing that we saw when we would come back from that. And then we said, you know, um, <laughs> one of our parents on our swim meet back from the Nash, from the Black History Swim Meet, um, I'm going to call his name out, Tony Dad. Um, <laughs> I'm going to call his name out. Um, he's uh, actually from from South Carolina. He lives in South Carolina now, Mr. Dash, Tyrone Dash. I'm just say Tony, but it's Tyrone Dash. On the bus, when we chartered the bus, he said, you know what? We could do our own swimming. And we were so tired, and I all threw pillows at him saying, you must be out of your mind. Yeah. <laughs> but one of our late founders, one of our late co-founders, Tanya Boom Boom Moon, said to me, Lisa, we could do this. We've done it, you know, by hosting meets and stuff. We could really do this. And the next thing you know, we were sitting at um, Kenny and Lisa Cross's house planning out this meet, and Mr. Dash ended up having to move the next year to South Carolina. (laughs) And that's how we started. We started... um, wanting to really expose kids to swimming here in North Carolina because we knew Georgia had it and D.C. had it, but we didn't have it. And I don't know if you know this, but North Carolina is a big swimming area. You know, it's a lot of swimmers here. And so we we um, ventured to um, Charlotte, to the Mecklenburg Aquatic Center, and um, the aquatics director there was very um, supportive and wanted us to come there and host it because he was the director there. He was African-American. And he was the director there. And we did come, but it was a lot on us because we had to transport the medals, the trophies, because we give trophies and stuff. We had to transport so much to Charlotte. And then we had to compete with NASCAR. So hotels weren't giving us good rates so that we can invite these boys and girl clubs and 
different local swim teams from all different states. So we decided to venture back to Goldsboro, North Carolina, and and it, it continued on. We loved Goldsboro, but guess what happened? <laughs> word of mouth is everything, you know, and because of word of mouth, we started getting bigger. We started out with 125 swimmers, and by the time we got to Goldsboro, we were over, you know, four to 500 people, and the hotel that couldn't accommodate us. You know, we outgrew Goldsboro. We had people staying in Smithfield and Chinston and, you know, different areas just to come to our meet. And they loved it. The mayor had us down there. He had us speak at the council meetings and everything. They were so excited. But we just grew too big. And so um, um, we contemplated having it here in North in Raleigh. But the pool cost was just horrendous. And Orlando YMCA found out about us and invited us to come there to host the meet. And we did. We went there. Um, they, they, you know, they kind of wine and dined us, you know, oh, we're going to give you this and that and, and we try to bust. But, again, it's that expense of us going down um, to do it in another state. And so that was back in 2008. Now, remember, the first meet was in 2003, and that was held in Charlotte, North Carolina. From Charlotte, North Carolina, um, we went to Goldsboro, and and uh, so we had it in in um, Charlotte for three three years. We went to Goldsboro for two years. We went to Orlando, Florida, for one year, two thousand and eight, and we came back home to Raleigh Wake County area in two thousand and nine, and we've been here ever since. And from 125 swimmers, word of mouth, no marketing, no, you know, no, no expenses for that or anything. We just word of mouth. We we do a great souvenir booklet where we put every single team picture in it, and it just took off. And we kept growing and growing. And uh, the last meet that we had, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, was in 2019, and we had over a thousand. Uh, 1138 swimmers, to be exact, who look like um, you and me. Um, they look like um, maybe your doctor who might be of, of lack of melon, you know, or, or maybe um, your your seamstress might be Asian. I mean, they were. we had an international swim meet. And that's when I tell people there is no swim meet like ours because Every nationality attends our swim meet. Every level of swimming can attend our swim meet. You know, I, I'm sure you know that for a lot of championship swim meets, you have to qualify. You can't just compete without having a qualifying time. At our meet, you can swim without having a qualifying time, and you might have someone you know, in that heat that might be a top swimmer. So you're swimming now with a very competitive swimmer. And so that was sort of what I wanted to do. I wanted these kids who might not ever get that chance to swim with a triple-A swimmer or a D1 swimmer. Because who knows, that, you know, novice swimmer might eventually get to that level. But how can he do that if he's never swam against that type of person who swims at that level? So that was my hope and dream and, my, and some of the other families' hopes and dreams, and it has become a reality 
We have kids who swim at Division One schools, Division Two schools who go on to the Olympic trials, um, who have competed in the Olympics. Um, and it's just so wonderful to see and to see these kids continue to grow and also give back. Because, again, when we did the community breakfast, the money that we raised at the community breakfast went to an organization here called the Teen Achievers. So we have helped kids go to college with, you know, book scholarships and so forth. And that's what we wanted this to do, to, to, to leave a mark, but also to keep helping different people in different areas, not just swimming, but all throughout this community. Although this meet has been a tremendous success, it was not without its struggles. Correct me if I'm wrong, but at one point, USA Swimming didn't even recognize this meet because they were under the impression that it was exclusionary. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Um, we had USA Swimming come one, two years, I think, and they sent a young man, and, you know, we, we said to him, you know, when they came, they were only going to do one day, and I said, look, you can't just leave in one day. you got to experience the meat. you got to experience what all, because they couldn't figure out how we were so successful, you know, and <laughs> they kept trying to figure this thing out. And I said, because it's not just about swimming. We do so many different things. We have the, the kids' party. We have the um, the coaches' relay. We have the um, exhibition relay with the Olympians who come to our meet. You know, and so you have to, we have the fish fry. We have the, the vendors out. You have to experience what's happening that weekend in order to see why we're so successful. You know, and so you have kids coming from all different levels. And I'm going to make you laugh about one thing that happened recently. You remember I told you that we went to these meets to inspire our kids to see that they're just not the, you know, they're not just one of the top swimmers in North Carolina. There are other kids out there. Mm-hmm. But we had a, a father of um, a Caucasian father who was helping my husband's over the timers. My husband, Kyle Webb, he's over the timers at the meet. And one of the fathers came up to him who he was um, assisting my husband with and he said, you know, I hope you're not offended by this. He said, but my son, they were from Virginia. He said, my son has not cut his time um, in over eight months. He said, but this is the first time in eight months that I see my son cutting his time. And he said to my husband, and I think it's because he's getting beat by black boys, you know. <laughs> and my husband said, yeah, that's probably true. He said, because the same thing happened for our children, but it was because they were getting beat by their peers that looked like them. So the father said, well, well, I hope you understand. I'm going to keep coming because if this is what it takes him to cut time, <laughs> I will keep coming every year. And that man, uh, we've seen he and his son every year they come and they go to the party, they're out there dancing, they have a great time. But, you know, when you have people that can be honest and share that feeling, they just didn't know. They had no idea. And and his son from Virginia thought, I'm in the top ten in Virginia, but you're swimming against Virginia kids, nobody else. Mm-hmm. You know? So it really opened his eyesight. And he, you know, he he's a great he tells people all the time about our beat. He says, and it's fun. He said, My son is having fun. It's mm-hmm. not so stressed. He's not stressed. He's not you know, the coach is watching me. He's having fun. And that's sort of, and he's building a friendship with different people from all different walks of life. 
this meet isn't just about swimming. There are other components that speak to the black experience. By that, I mean specially designed swim caps for our hairstyles, black vendors selling products designed by them for us, the fish fries. I'm wondering if you can speak about these amazing things that are happening at this meet. Yeah, that was important too. We wanted to make sure, like I, I think I shared with you, you know, we want to be able to give back to the community. We want to be able to support, you know, our own, you know, in, in their ventures and so forth. So that was our whole mindset about that. Um, and then we also, if a vendor, you know, we do charge a vendor fee, but people laugh when they find out how much it is. They're like, that's all you all charge, you know. Um, but it's, again, we want to make it affordable. We want it to be affordable, and we want to have good you know, products there. We don't want, you know, we want it to really be, and we want to build a relationship with these different organizations or different companies that come. Uh, we had a family for over that we met in Florida in 2008. They did, they did the pictures. And let me tell you, Nigel, if you saw their pictures, they were just incredible. But we met them in Florida and we invited them. Well, they called us to see if they could come and do our swim meet. So they did our swim meet um, for the last, eight, nine years, and they just retired, but they want to teach someone to do what they did. And um, they would come up the whole weekend. So you can imagine the amount of money they must have made. If they come up the whole weekend from Florida, they bring about five or six staff members. <laughs> but they're an African-American family out of um, the Florida area who just finally retired from doing it. Uh, we have um, the young lady who the black kids swim, she has hair products, and she's there um, every year. She, she she just met us, you know, what four or five years ago. She was the one that said, "No, a lot of people don't know about you." Her daughter's young, so I said, "You know, they're going to keep having children, so that's a good thing, you know." But we've been around, <laughs> but she's got she's done very well, you know, at our meet, and and um, she's had um, several different. I think from her, she's had several different things too that she ventured off into to educate families about the meat and, and about other swim meats in the area. And then the fish fry, let me share again. You remember I told you that the community breakfast we stopped doing, or maybe I didn't say that, but we stopped doing it mainly because of the cost it was charging us. And sometimes the time of morning we had it, it was starting to kind of window down. So we still wanted to get back to the community. So um, the Garner Road used to be a, one of the only black-owned YMCA's left in the United States. They lost their um, status um, about six years ago. There. So then they're now the Garner Road Community Center, but they still do a lot of things with the Y, even though they don't have the Y um, um, sign, I guess, signage. And so we wanted to continue to support them. So with the Black Teen Achievers, we allowed the, um, them to do the fish fry. And the way we support them, we don't charge them a vendor fee. And the omegas that are here, they do the fish fry. So, again, they're giving up their time and supporting them. And it has just become a great partnership. Um, I know this past year they weren't able to do that, but we were able to support them in another way this past year um, to help with their students and so forth. But that's one of our things that we want people to do. I, I'm thinking about this, now. if everybody did that, if USA Swimming did that, if they picked an organization in that city where they host a meet or a championship and they give, you know, part of the uh, cost to come to their meet to that organization, what a difference it would make, you know? And that's what I think a lot of people need to start doing, and that's why we continue to do it. We want to keep supporting um, 
the community because we want to leave it better than what, you know, when these people come in from all over the country, we want to educate them on North Carolina. We want to educate them on the Raleigh area. Um, the young man didn't know that that was one of the only black-owned wives in, in, in the United States still left um, up until seven years ago. You know, he was shocked. He said, oh, my God. And and the building's still standing. It's still there. And I keep saying if I hit the jackpot, I'm going to redo the whole building. <laughs> But that's sort of how we got into the vendors. You know, it was a way to to expose people to different things. We had a young lady who makes her own um, uh, different head wraps and stuff. She came out this year, and she was very successful. She she had to finally get a second day because she was only going to do one day because she had no idea it was going to be so take you know so accepted. And she said, "Can I can I go ahead and pay for the second day?" We said, "Sure, you know, sure." <laughs> But it's and again, it's, it's really letting people be exposed and just letting them know. And I think even though we didn't have the swim meet for the last two years now, I think people have continued to get some order from her, you know, um, even though she's not there. So it, it has continued to help her also. I'm sure that putting on a meet of this size is no small feat. If you feel comfortable in talking about this, can you take us through the relative cost of putting on such an event? <laughs> oh, you want to try maybe eighty some thousand dollars? <laughs> That's just maybe on the low end. Uh, what people don't realize, you know, when they come, they see all the fluff and everything. But the pool itself is a uh, it's a nonprofit organization pool. I mean, the young man who built that pool set it up very well. I mean, he he made it a five hundred one three C. So um, he set that up very well, um, and it's a beautiful pool. Don't get me wrong; it's a gorgeous pool. We we do very well there, um, but the cost keeps going up, and it has gone up. It has gone up on a regular basis. Uh, it has gone up on a regular basis when we first started. Um, I think it was eighteen thousand to rent the pool for the weekend. Now we're all all the way up to almost forty thousand. Um, I think last year was uh, two years ago. It was like thirty-seven thousand to rent the pool. And then on top of that, we do trophies. Uh, we do. Uh, we want the um, coaches to feel special, so we do special shirts for them. Um, we want to make sure the kids feel special, so we do. Um, uh, special bags and stuff, and and Marissa McClendon, um, um, Marissa Kawai McClendon, um, is one of our sponsors. So she always tries to support by getting the high point bag winners. Um, she makes sure that she can support us in that way, and so that has been a big help too. Um, but just you know the 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 uh, pool, the um, this. The party that we do for the kids, that's a cost. Uh, we, we've been using the embassy suite for the last four years. Um, the food that we have to provide for that. The hospitality room. <laughs> you have to provide food for your volunteers, for your officials, you know, for the coaches. So, um, and then we decided that we would do volunteer shirts so that people will, you know, feel special. So, so a lot of different things go into play. Um, when you're doing a swim meet of this caliber, you know, we want it to be a lasting event. At one time, now, we didn't charge for people to attend our meet. It was free for you to come. But because of the pool costs kept going up, we had to 
reconsider that. And I was definitely a person who did not want to charge. And I was adamant, we don't need to charge, you know. you know. <laughs> but I really, it came down to, to really understanding that we couldn't keep going on because some of us were pulling out of our own pockets to pay the, um, <laughs> the negative amount, you know. We were pulling out of our own pockets. And so when people see the magnitude of, of the swimmers and the parents who come, they think, oh, they must be rolling in the dough. No, folks. If we come out um, making a profit, it might be six, $8,000, if that. And that's just to get us started for the next year. We also do uh, recently, you know, the city, I told you the city gives us a little bit of money to help cost the cost. But think about this. The city gives us money to help pay for the pool, but the pool is in the same city. So it's almost like, okay, guys, you know, we're not stupid here, you know. <laughs> but we did negotiate the hotels. And uh, we we asked everyone when they come to our meetings to please stay in our hotels because we do get a little rebate from that, and that helps pay for some of the trophies and stuff that we get. Um, but if you stay outside of the hotels that we have, then we don't get that, you know. And so that's one of the things we um, – we ask every team when they come, please stay in our hotels. We negotiate prices pretty well for everybody. Uh, we have prices for hotels ranging from, you know, $59 a night, you know, up to, you know, about 149 might be the most. And that's not that expensive when you think about it, 59 to 149 So that's kind of our price range. If you're going to be in our umbrella hotel, we ask that you stay in that price range. And they've been able to do that for the last, you know, um, we've been here now 13 years in North Carolina, so they've been able to do that. And so we do get a little bit back from that. But it is, like I said, we're not pulling out of our pockets last year. I mean, two years ago, we didn't have to pull out of our pockets two years ago. Um, but um, And we didn't pull out probably for the last three years. We hadn't had to pull out of our own pockets. But we've had to pull out of our pockets and use some of those credit cards. <laughs> Uh, to get over. But you know what? This is what I always say. Every time we say, you know what, we might not be able to do it this year, we keep saying it's for the children. That's our motto. We do it for the children. And we hope one day, as as we're starting to see it already, that our children will take it over. And um, this will be a legacy for them to continue to carry on with. Because quite a few of our, our children are swimmers and and they went on and swam in college, and um, they, um, Candace Cooper, whose mother is the meet director, Kathy Cooper, our meet director. Um, anyone who comes to our meet, if you haven't talked to Kathy Cooper, then you haven't come to our meet, because you will talk to her <laughs> about your team, you know. But her daughter, Candace, swam at UNC as one of the first African-American swimmers, um, female. And she also made the Olympic trials um, um, four years ago. Um, but she is uh, a really staying involved with USA Swimming to kind of form that partnership. And I think once USA Swimming, um, I think what happened when they came, they just wanted us to kind of say, okay, why don't you all take it over? And we were going to do that. Mm-hmm. That wasn't what our mission was. We didn't, I mean, we've done all the work. Now you want to take it over? No. You know, you can come, you can partner with us, you can sponsor, you can be a sponsor, but we're going to run our swim meet the way we run our swim meet. 
We get it approved. We don't get it sanctioned. If you got it sanctioned, that means your boys and girl clubs could not attend our swim meet. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You have to have, okay. So we get it approved by USA Swimming. So that means anyone who comes to the swim meet and is a USA swimmer, their times will count, you know, when they, you know, when USA Swimming keeps all their times, so they will count. But if we sanction it, that will cut out a lot of people. And we did not want to get it sanctioned. So I think that was what really happened with USA Swimming. They did not, they wanted to really make it a sanctioned swim meet because they saw the kids who were coming and these are championship swimmers, you know. And so we just we just stuck to our guns and said, you know, no, you can you're welcome to come. Now they reached out to us um this past year. Um, I'm sure a lot of organizations have seen people reach out to them because of of um you know, Black Lives Matter, George Floyd and everything else. They reached out and we've given them some things that they can consider to support us. Um, you know, and they can choose. We told them we hope they choose two or three things. And so we'll see. You know, we'll see. I always say, you know, speaking and talking is one thing, but action speaks louder. And I just need to see some action. And we will, you know, we welcome anyone who shows us action. But talking is not my thing. I'm a doer. And um, that's what, you know, we are all about. My my Kathy Cooper, uh, my meet director, she and I both, we are doers. We don't want to, we want to see this go down. We want to see it keep going up. Another point that I have to clarify is that this is a time for you all's children to splash around and have fun. I mean, there ain't no line about that. But the competition at this meet is extremely fierce. In fact, You've had some very well-known swimmers that have competed in the past, right? Oh God! Um, well, we've had as um, some of the ones who used to, who came to our meets. Um, um, Holly Spears, uh, she's also Division One swim at Indiana. Um, Brett uh, Ringo from Texas, um, he's another um, champion um, there. Also, recently we had uh, what we call the homecoming, um, where they came back. Um, to our meet, and Giles Smith, who is uh, a Pan American medalist, along with some, um, for the very first time, was um, um, Ariana Vanderpool Wallace. Um, she came. This was her first time ever coming to our meet. And then, of course, Marissa McClendon, um, um, who was known mainly as Marissa Kawaii McClendon. Her married name is McClendon. Cullen Jones, Sabir Muhammad, um, you know, a lot of these folks, one young man, um, Jason Coons, I, I'm going to mention him real quick. We met him in Florida. Um, Jason's is from a biracial family, and um, he fell in love. You know, his father fell in love with us down there. He just could not, you know, say enough about it. So when we told him we weren't coming back, he, he got on the phone and said, what do you mean? You know, can we still come? I said, absolutely. So they have been coming to this one meet since, you know, back in 2008. And I remember um, Jason, he went to Florida State University, um, for those of you who might be aware. But he, he came back constantly every single year. And what was so neat, last 2019, he came back as a coach. 
you know, so I just thought that was so neat um, to see this young man who swam at our meet. Now he's coming back as a coach to coach young swimmers from the Maryland area. Um, that's where he was coming from. But um, we also had um, Blair Cross out of Maryland. She was one of the first African-American swimmers at University of Maryland and will be the only one ever because they don't have a swim organization anymore at the University of Maryland. Um, we've had the, the Dash brothers and my son, Webb and, and Cross. Um, other son, um, Kenny, they swam at FAMU. Um, Joshua um, Tumlin, he swam with us. Uh, Megan Fautner swam at Auburn University. Uh, Kiera Norris is now at, I think this will be her last year, maybe going into last year. She's at Fordham University on a swim scholarship. I mean, it's funny that I keep up with these kids, but it's just so nice to see them. And another young man, Kaysen um, Wilburn. Now, he's another one you might want to keep an eye on in the future, too, because he's, I notice his times have really been um, getting up there. I think he made the Olympic trials uh, 2018. I'm not sure, uh, 2019. I'm not sure about 20 and 21, but he came from Virginia, another um, uh, biracial young man. And his mother, I remember when she told me he got a full scholarship to swim at Notre Dame. I said, can I take a little credit for it? She said, you could take all the credit, Lisa. She said, it wasn't until he started coming to this swim meet that he had the confidence to do what he's doing now. She said he used to get taunted, you know, in Virginia. You know, oh, you're half-breed. You know, you maybe you're a little fast. You're not that fast. You know, she said they were, they were mean, you know, just mean. And, and this meet just changed his whole attitude. And um, so he started with us, I think, when he was about 10, coming to our meeting. So it's just so nice to see. I mean, I was up there in tears, you know, when I found out his mom called me, told me that, you know, he got a scholarship to know today. And it was just so great to, to see these young people. But we do. We get a lot of these kids who um, go on, and they're doing other things. You know, they're really giving back in the community. I really enjoyed having um, Ariana in 2019. She's a bright young woman. Um, she swam for the Bahamas at the Olympics, so she went to the Olympics. Um, and uh, Maritza went to the Olympics. We all know she's a medalist. And I don't know if you know this story about Maritza, because we call her our ambassador. But when she first came to our swim meet in Charlotte, she forgot her medals. And we were going to the, the kids' party, and she had a friend meet her halfway from Atlanta <laughs> to bring those medals back. So the kids could take pictures with them. And it was at that meet back in, what, 2004, 2005, that I said, oh, she's my girl. For the, you know, that's my girl. I mean, I was just so in awe of her. And I remember the news people came out to interview her in Charlotte. And the guy said, I guess this kind of bothers you, all these kids around. She said, are you kidding? She said, I love this. She said, I didn't have any of this growing up. She said, this makes me feel so good, and I will keep coming every year if they allow me to. And, and I think I was standing on the sideline watching. I said, absolutely. <laughs> but she, um, you know, we really have had some some special people come through and swim and continue on in success. And I'm hoping to get some of the, the new, you know, um, Olympians that um, I, I just read recently. I think uh, Leah Neal is retiring. Um, and I hope, you know, she will come when we, hopefully in 2022, and maybe attend our swim meet and, and let the kids meet her and so forth, because that's what makes them feel so special. When you have a young kid, we do a swim lottery, 
where they we um, choose children. It could be all different levels of swimming, and they'll swim against these Olympians. Now think about this: how many kids get to say, "I swam against an Olympian medalist"? You know? <laughs> so we've had Cullen up there, and I tell you, um, I think it was. Um, not, I think Josh, Josh Tolan almost beat him. I, it was like a fingertip. We were all yelling, oh, my God, you know. But it was a great experience. And Marissa swam against Ariana. And so it gives these children, we do it all the way from age eight, um, eight and under. We choose a girl and a boy, you know, because usually we have a, um, a boy or a girl Olympian come. And then they get to swim. They, it's just a, you know, it's just a 50. And they... <laughs> Just as if they get to swim against their, their either their hero or their idol or their inspiration, and it, and they'll never forget. It. You know, they'll never forget that feeling, and uh, and and sometimes the Olympians don't forget it either. <laughs> they really don't forget it. So yeah, we've had some great people come in. We set set some records. Some um, national records have been set at our swim meet. Um, you know, and and these are kids not just of African American descent. These are kids of you know of, that are white and Asian. You know, they've set records at our meet, but not at the other meet. So, so think about that. <laughs> we also keep a list of those who have set records. So I, we have the documentation that shows these are the kids who have records. And so when they get that souvenir book that year, they look and see well. Well, who can I, you know, who can I outbeat this year, you know? So we keep a list of all the records that have been set at our swim meet so the kids can, can um, try and go after those records, you know, and break them, you know? <laughs> and that's a neat thing, a neat experience for them to be able to break it. They'll come up and tell me, you know, Miss, Miss Lisa, Miss Lisa, I broke the record in the 53, you know? <laughs> so it really is. As you can tell, I, I really am missing it this weekend. I really am. I'm missing the meet this weekend here because it would be we would be getting things together um, for the folks to come in, um, getting the coaches' bags together, um, getting ready for the coaches' dinner, which we host on Friday night, um, so we can you know make them again feel special, hand out their bags and things for their team, and and um, and also we've done different things at the meet. We've allowed us we had the Navy SEALs there. Um, several years, so they would come and speak and try and recruit, you know, um, our swimmers and so forth. And we did. We had two young um, people. I cannot think of their names right now, and I, I was trying to find that for you today, but they actually um, went through the Navy program um, because of the Navy SEALs being here. Um, i got to find that. That's going to bother me for the rest of the evening. But um, but it really has been that kind of meet. It really, we've watched it grow. We've watched people come. And we've watched what these young people have the potential of doing in life. You know, we might have the next president at our swim meet. Who knows? You know? I have no doubt that we might be seeing the next president in one of these meets. You know, knowing our aquatic history is very important. Sadly, not many of our folks know that it dates back hundreds of years. Can you speak about the aquatic education that the meet emphasizes? Uh, one of the things that it's funny that you asked this question when you um, you had that question sent, I stopped to myself, um, and I guess I could send you the picture of it. But uh, my very first souvenir booklet, on the back of it, it says "Black Swim Heritage: Strong Roots Which Branch to the Future," and we had a tree, 
and we had some of the names around it. We had Jim Ellis. We had Andrew Young, you know, um, of, of, of Atlanta. Um, Tommy Jackson, Dr. Wilburn Campbell, Byron Davis, you know, Allison Terry. We had some of the names on the back of the book. And we said, Dare to Dream, Stroke to Achieve was what we had out there. And so it was funny when you when I saw that because we realized, you know, yes, these are the, the new ones. These are the present ones. But there was a lot be, behind us, you know, who were able to make waves. And so we tried to keep that in the foresight. And we also try to keep it in the foresight when it comes to the coaches because a lot of our coaches were these people. Jim Ellis was one of those people, you know. Um, we, we have um, at the coaches' dinner, we, we um, ask every team to nominate a coach um, who was outstanding, and we honor them because we feel that, again, if it wasn't for these coaches, we might not have swimmers. And so that's important that we keep highlighting that. And um, and the coaches who are really, um, they're the ones that make a difference. But the history of swimming does go back so far, and I'm, I'm still educating myself on it. You know, I, I recently saw something that someone posted, and I did some research, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. And I said, these are things we didn't know. So it's always important. We try, like I said, when we get information, we try to put everything in a book or we try to document everything so that when we're gone, they'll be able to talk and tell our story, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so important. The story has to continue. And any way we can, we, we, we make an emphasis to highlight that. We make an emphasis to really share with folks and, and to share with them our, when we had the Navy SEALs come out, I don't know if you know that, but there was an African-American um, uh, commander that came because he was the first. And he was so in awe of what we were doing. But think about that. He was taking pictures with little kids, you know, and, and some of the grown-up kids, and they were just so in awe of him. So we are constantly trying to keep that in the foresight of our meet, making sure we have someone there that can share with them the story from the past, you know, we had the um, one of the swimmers from Tennessee recently. There was an, an article done about them, and I didn't realize he was at our swim meet one year. He he was just so tickled to be at the swim meet, seeing this because he was telling some stories and how it was. When my father swam at Hampton, he laughed now because he said they didn't have lines in the bottom of the pool. You just had to swim straight. You know. <laughs> There were no lines, you know. There were no ropes to guide you. You just learned how to swim straight. So things like that, kids think, you know, we have it so hard. No, they had it so hard back in the back in the days, back in the 40s, back in the 30s, you know, back in the 20s, you know. They had it so much harder than what the kids have today. You know, when my father first saw that line in the bottom of the pool, he laughed. I kept saying, Daddy, what are you laughing at? He said, we never had anything like that. You just swam straight. He said what they used to do is do orange juice and honey before they swim. And that was to help them swim faster. And, <laughs> and so I remember some of the kids trying that. They said, oh, this, my stomach don't feel too good, you know. I said, I guess you had to have the right mixture. You know, I guess my father had the right mixture for it. But these stories are things that people need to know. Unfortunately, you know, now we only have one HBCU that has a swim program. And that's Howard University. 
and they come every year, and they've recruited several kids. We have uh, several right now at Howard swimming on a scholarship. And so, um, you know, so it's important to tell that story because North Carolina A&T used to have a swim team uh, of girls. They had the boys at one time, but now they just have the girls. My brother-in-law swam at Morehouse, um, along with one of our friends, you know, who swam there also. They don't have a swim team. Then when they did, they had uh, kind of an a, a intramural one um, back in 19... Uh, 1974, they had an intramural one um, back then. But FAMU, theirs is gone. So it is, it's, it's not a moneymaker. I mean, we know it's not a moneymaker for a lot of the universities, you know, basketball, football. But in order to really keep the forefront in there, we have to keep telling the stories. Because who knows, maybe one day it will become an entity where other universities can have it back, you know. I mean, it's a lifelong skill. A lot of our presidents and people in leaderships were swimmers. You know, you look back on the history, they were swimmers. And so we know it's a lifelong um, skill to have, and it can help someone else. And that's one of the things that you can't, you know, replace. You know, you can't replace that. So it is important to know that, but I, I'll, I'll send you, a, uh, I'll screenshot this picture that we have on the back, but that was our very first um, souvenir booklet. It was only about 50 pages. Now today our book is over <laughs> almost 200 and some pages. <laughs> but that was the one we wanted people to know that, you know, this is not, we're not new. We have a history of swimmers. Um, you know, in, from years ago, you know, and, and in the book it talks about, you know, Nate Clark. He was the first African-American swimmer to score in the NCAA finals at Ohio State in the butterfly, you know. And, um, you know, uh, Andrew Young was the, uh, the first African-American collegial scholarship swimmer to become the ambassador at Howard University. So, so these things we did, you know, we have educated um, by informing but as you said, we have to continue to do that. And, um, you know, we need to expand our, our page that we have here. We're going to have to expand it. But we also can go back further than 1962. You know, we can go back further than 1952. So we, we do need to keep expanding that information to young people. And I think things like what you're doing is great because that's informing folks also. So it, it's, a, it's, it's enough ways to get informed. And it's enough things for people to do where nobody's stepping on toes of anybody because hearing it over and over again is very important. And finally, due to COVID-19, the meet had to be canceled last year. Now, I noticed that North Carolina is still under 40% of folks that are fully vaccinated, which meant that you also had to cancel for this year as well. Are you hopeful that in 2022, we'll be able to have another meet so I can come? Yes, <laughs> we are so hopeful. Um, I put out a little uh, questionnaire on our um, Facebook page. You know, if we have the meet next year and we ask you to wear a mask, will you still come? If we have the meet next year and we ask you to show your vaccinated cards, will you still come? You know, just to see how people are feeling um, because of, of the size that we have, you know, we don't want anything to happen. You know, we don't know 
so much about, I mean, we know about this virus, but we really don't know about this virus, you know. And so I'm hoping if we can maybe do those two things, um, that we can make sure we see everyone because we miss you all. We miss everybody so much um, and have the meet again, which will then still be the 18th because we've missed two two um, years. You know, we were at the 17th when we had the um, um, shutdown in 2020 and now 2021. So it will still be the 18th National Black Heritage Championship Swim Meet Memorial Day weekend in Cary, North Carolina. And I'm hoping that um, we will do over 1,100 swimmers. And uh, I'm hoping that we'll have new Olympian um, people to attend, uh, swimmers to attend. I hope we have new teams to come. And I hope we have new coaches. And I hope we have uh, new vendors. And I hope we look. I hope we get some some big money to help sponsor it. <laughs> That's what I really hope too. So uh, we're working on that. We're working on that there. But that's our goal. We we do want to be back um, next year in 2022. Um, and hopefully, like I said, uh, I know this. I know North Carolina, uh, Wake County probably misses the, the revenue because. Um, they estimate the this weekend most people go to the beach, so they estimate when we've been hosting this meet that we are almost up to two million dollars in revenue for the Wake County area. So that's something that they're missing this weekend, and that they definitely missed last year because they called me about it. They're like, "Oh, we miss it," you know. I said, "We do too." So let's keep our fingers crossed. Let's hope that we can get some more people vaccinated. I know people, you know, have leery things about it. But look, you know, our kids have to get vaccinated to go to school. So, you know, let's let's make sure that we are doing the first thing of all, being safe. And um, if you don't, you know, we don't show the cause, at least we might have to have you wear your mask. And I think we're going to be back stronger and better and funner. And it's just going to be a great family reunion. We, we are looking forward to it. Our guest today has been Lisa Webb, the co-founder and vice president of the North Carolina Aqua Blazers swim team and AAU traveling team that was started in 2000. She is one of the lead organizers for the premier National Black Heritage Championship swim meet held in Cary, North Carolina during Memorial Day weekend. Part of her mission is to reduce the drowning rates in the black community, but to also give black swimmers a chance to compete against others that look like them. Lisa Webb, we congratulate you on such an amazing accomplishment with respect to this premier meet. We also wish you and your family health and safety during these challenging times in our country. And thank you again for joining us today on Crossing the Lane Lines. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I truly enjoyed it. It made me feel like I was getting ready for this one meet. You've been listening to Crossing the Lane Lines, which is produced by the Black Swim Collective at our studios in San Francisco, California. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you receive your podcast. From all of us here, we thank you so much for your support. And remember, no lives matter until Black Lives Matter. In San Francisco, this is Najee Ali, for crossing the lane lines, signing off. Mm-hmm.